everyone, welcome to another new episode of Oh My Lit. This is your co-host Tanuja. And this is Rosa. Welcome. We are so excited for today. I I cannot and you will probably you can probably tell how excited I am. We've been trying to get this author since last year. Ever since I saw her book, I was obsessed. And also I knew Rosa would love this book because it has shadiness, it has pettiness, it is the right kind of interpersonal relationships that Rosa loves to read. I love everything petty because I am very petty. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I think it's a good quality. I adore that about you. Please be petty. But without further ado, I'm really excited to invite Ore Abaje Williams on this podcast. It's her debut novel that we're going to be talking about, The Three of Us. Yay! Yay! Thank you very much, Ori, for coming to see us. Uh, we adored your book, so we are extremely excited to have this chat. Thank you. We just read The Two of Us, that I keep calling just The Two of Us, and I keep singing that <laughs> song now all the time. <laughs> the Three of Us. <laughs> the Two of Us. No, we don't have the rights. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is like a story of a woman, her best friend, and her husband who hate each other. And it's (laughs) just the right amount of petty, the right kind of petty that you want to keep on reading because it's horrible, but you can't... It's like a car crash. It's horrifying and you can't stop watching. And it's a lovely domestic noir that I'm sure that all our listeners will adore as much as we did. Thank you so much. It felt like reading a play, you know, or it just felt like they're coming to the stage talking about themselves and then taking the story forward. I couldn't wait to meet Temi. Is that is that how you <laughs> pronounce her name yeah. as well? Yeah, I couldn't wait to like see what she thought. I just it was just so I really felt like I was watching a play and I didn't want it to end. I wanted there to be like an intermission and then another <laughs> part. Uh it was crazy. And this is your debut. I mean rude (laughs) yeah it was ridiculous that this is your debut this is amazing you've been a writer and an editor for Gulldam for Glamour uh for Vasafiri magazine I'm so glad you've like decided to write a book this is you you know I'm just I'm just like yes I love this can you tell us what inspired you to start with this what inspired you to jot the story down so it was actually a conversation with my best friend Grace, who the book is dedicated to, because I had this was back in 2020 now, which was three years ago, which is madness, almost three years ago, and I had just started seeing someone, which was my first mistake. And <laughs> how dare you? Yeah, I was telling her how much I liked him, and you know, this is this, and she was like, "Oh, now you're going to get a boyfriend. I'm never going to see you because you're going to spend all your time with him." And I was like, yeah. "No, don't be silly. He has to understand that you come first. The irony of this whole situation is that now she has a boyfriend, but I love him, so it's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was like, of course not. He has to understand that you come first, you know, that you're you're the number one. And I was like half joking when I said that. Then I thought to myself, hmm, actually, that'd be so interesting. If there was a situation where, you know, a best friend and the significant other, whoever, did not like each other at all. And literally the first line I wrote is the first line that's in the book, Temi comes over at 12. But I think probably that first, the first maybe like, five, six lines are exactly as I wrote them when we first, um, when I first read the book, yeah. Wow. wow. I want to actually go back and check. (laughs) (laughs) My editors did ask, well, my agent first, and then one of my editors, my UK editor, asked me to change where it says 12 to like midday, 
or 12 p.m. And I was like, nah, it just, there's something succinct about Temi comes over at 12 and it's just like yeah. short and sharp. It's, re- um, it's also very dominant. It's like she is coming over at 12, she yeah. comes over at 12. Like yeah. Temi's here. Like yeah. she's the, she is what starts the book off and exactly. she has such a dominant personality in this story. So yeah, it's yeah. just right. Exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, and then it just sort of flowed from there. And I think I definitely infused it with some of the ways that my friends and I speak to each other, whether that's like pop culture references or yeah, being a little bit shady to each other for fun. Yeah. And I think that's all sort of put into the book. But yeah, that conversation with my best friend is, is, is literally where the book started. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to like break a little bit the ice and like get to know each other a little bit more asking if you can tell us like a petty story about one of your best friends or the moment that you were like the petty best friend Ooh. oh <laughs> <I'm trying> to... <laughs> <laughs> <The same time. laughs> just scanning through some of the archives <laughs> and i have to be careful about how i say this because my friend is still kind of my best friend is kind of still friends with this person but basically and I have to also not be too specific, just in case this person listens to this. I doubt they will. Um, basically, once I organised something with my best friend and we invited somebody who my best friend was friends with, um, instead of just replying to the invite about the event that we were organising, this person decided to like tweet about it and be like, kind of like taking the mick out of it because they were organising. We needed people to like fill in a, a thing just so we could check numbers and stuff like that um, because of the space we were using. And this person. Yeah, I decided to like go on Twitter and use it for content without actually replying to my friend who had invited her. And so ever since then, I've just been like, mm, I don't like you. So we were at an event um, last year. I think it was last year anyway. And this person was there. I'd never met this person in real life. This person was there. And my best friend, Grace, she knows that I don't like this person. Ever since then, I just don't like her. Yeah, <laughs> and so okay. she introduced me to her. And I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I just I have this thing where when it comes to me I'm okay with forgiving people for things they've done to me but when you've done something to my family or my best friend mm. I don't I don't forget and I don't forgive so I was just like mm, yeah no I'm just not engaging with her and then her boyfriend my friend was also there so I was telling him about the fact that I don't like this person <laughs> Which maybe was not super appropriate because he can get to know her on his own terms and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I told him the story, he did agree with me. He thought it was weird behavior. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's the. I hope I've been as inspecific as possible there so that I haven't given away too much. Of it. It's the right. It's the right amount. I, I think it's the right amount. What, Rosa, what, what about you? I, I know you love reading about like petty characters. Like I know you love that energy. I know you love this book. Like, but. Tell me about you being petty. I'm petty. Everyone that knows me knows I'm petty. I am a chihuahua. I will bark at your face. The moment that you turn to me, I will be like, oh, no, sir, I don't know you. But when I was a teenager, this was worse. And I had a best friend who was a guy. And everyone felt like we were going to date and blah, blah, blah. But no, we've been best friends since always. Uh, one of his girlfriends thought that I had something for him. So he told him that he had to stop seeing me. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Rosa's my best friend. We're not doing that. And my be- my friend Diego just decided to tell me like, haha, look, this is funny. 
my girlfriend wanted to wanted me to stop seeing you. I told her, oh, don't worry. So immediately I went to her and I told her, if I decide that he breaks up with you, he breaks up with you. Do not play with me, <laughs> little girl. Did she back off? Oh, yeah, she didn't talk to me ever again. It was hilarious. <laughs> Whenever I was in the room, I would be like, Michael, hey. <laughs> my, my best friend has made bad choices. Yeah. 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 They, I mean, they all do. They all do. They have that phase. I, I, <laughs> I've I've been in both situations. I've uh, like you, you always and yours, Rosa. But I've had a friend, not my best friend, couldn't care less about this dude. <laughs> Just like somebody in the group, right? But I took offense. We would always hang out at his place because we could. And I would come over after lectures or something and then just hang and then wait for our other friends as to whenever they finished. We were chilling and one day he said, "Uh, you know, I have a new girlfriend now. And I was like, yeah, I think you should come when the others come. So my girlfriend doesn't think that you're spending too much time here. And I was like, you want me to wait in the sun? Because this is in India. You want me to wait in the sun so that your girlfriend, who's not even in the house, who you will text and tell will know that I've been here with somebody else and so it's all right. <clears throat> Next time we had a house party and she was over, I just made a point to flirt with him as much as I could. <laughs> and him being the dude he is, how he loves flirting, he just didn't see anything wrong with it. In spite of <laughs> telling me what I had to do the other day. And his girlfriend yeah. was bad as hell. I was <laughs> like, yeah, that's... I, I, I mean, if she's going to be mad about something, let's give her a good reason. I was just flirting. <laughs> God, God. You know, we still had a great time. And he never... I think he started complaining more about her eventually. Yeah, that sounds toxic AF. Yeah, that was just like... Mm, that was my petty moment that I remember. <laughs> which I'm very proud of. I'm very proud of. I don't think pettiness is a bad quality. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like you need to express yourself in some ways. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But... Ori, you already told us that, you know, you had that kind of borderline where your best friend and boyfriend could potentially kind of like hate each other. Rosa, did you ever have a, did you ever have a best friend or a boyfriend that hated your best friend or vice versa? I was in a very bad relationship. So yeah, everyone. Hated <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's okay. doesn't matter. I'm, I'm done with that. But yeah. yeah. But that was like legit. Like that was legit. Yeah. Like that was a good reason to dislike him. Oh god, he kicked me out of his house once. Of his house, it was our house too. Uh, he kicked me out once, and I ended up like being to my best friend. And my best friend was like, "I don't want to talk to you, honestly." And I was like, "Yeah, let's it like makes sense." Adds up. Uh... <laughs> yeah. How many how many times have our best friends or we have been the best friends who've told our sisters, our friends that he's not good. Oh, she's not good. Like, just dump them. Like, can you please? I know you so well. I feel like Tammy has that kind of energy. She's she's just so, like, ready. She's just like, I know the wife inside out. And this is not good for you. I can see it. I don't know how long... How how have you let this go on for so long? But mm. I'm here to open your eyes. And I, yeah. I feel that. I've been that best friend. <laughs> We've all yeah. been that best friend, I feel, at some point in our lives. But obviously, we have to speak about Temi because that's... <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Ore, I have gone through the book again because I finished the book and then I had a question. I was like, you've not named the wife and the husband. You've named Temi. Mm-hmm. I think I know why, but do you, do you, did you have a specific 
Did you want to elaborate on that? It's funny because at first it wasn't intentional. And then I was just like, yeah, at first it was intentional. Then I was like, I can't think of any names for them. And then I was like, actually, they very much see each other as these roles of wife yeah. and husband. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's how they define each other. He sees her as a wife. She sees him as a husband rather than as whole people who are made up of multitudes, which is, I suppose, a reason why Tammy probably thinks this is not sustainable. You don't see each other as like full people. You just see each other yeah. as like a person who's good for this and a person who's good for that. Yeah. And also it's like sometimes you get with those like newlyweds who are like really excited to be like, this is my wife or this is my husband or this is my whatever. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to take a, a, a little bit of a mick out of that as well. We had people who were like, oh, my husband. Oh, my gosh, it's so weird. I'm calling him my husband. And you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You did do a whole wedding for this very reason, but fine. Be excited about calling him your husband. So. <laughs> I love that energy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very funny. Uh, my grandmother is very old and very Catholic. Uh, so she, we, my partner and I are not married and we have a child together. Mm-hmm. So she has decided that he's my husband now. And there's <laughs> <laughs> nothing you can tell her. <laughs> 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 Whatever, you're happy. I'm okay with it. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's very funny that you're talking about like the archetypes that they fulfill. Because I feel like they are trying to live, like they're trying to make house. They're trying to live this perfect life. And Tammy is an agent of chaos sent <laughs> there to like, show the cracks in the structure. Yeah, very much. <laughs> Especially because she believes she knows best. And yeah. the thing is, I don't even know if it's a belief. It's like a fact that she 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 sees exists. Like, I know everything. I know best. Yeah. Um, and to her, that is an irrefutable fact. And so anyone saying anything that is opposite or trying to circumvent anything that proves that point she's like Mm-mm, no we yeah. need to disprove you immediately <laughs> yeah yeah and i like that line where she she says oh there have been numerous studies with like that men are like a subcategory or like what an anatomical mistake or something yeah. <laughs> she just she she's convinced <laughs> hey she's scientifical we love her <laughs> I liked a lot about this book that none of the characters were actually you cannot categorize them as the good character and the bad character mm, like all yeah. of them were extremely flawed to a degree Yeah, either dishonest or unavailable emotional and physically they were all a bit of a mess I, I vibe a lot <laughs> with my characters I've decided that my brand of writing is rich messy people because they're just so much fun to write about because they're so messy and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> You've defined how rich they are with the perfect nuance. Like, I loved... It wasn't the usual things. Like, light-filtering blinds. Like, I didn't even know that shit existed. Like, what the <laughs> There's that kind of richness out there? Like, <laughs> it was so, like, specific. Like, you know, I loved it. I was like, all right, this exists. Like, we can get this someday in our lives. Not in our tax brackets. This is a tax bracket yeah. like, conversation that we don't belong to. I just don't know what goes on in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I obviously, whenever I read Nigerian characters, there's like a kinship because 
I am like, yes, in, especially when you talk about parents, because I'm like, yep, that's Indian parents as well. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's how we do. That's how they have a checklist. And they're like, have you done this by this age? That's, and those, those conversations are there. I just wanted to ask you, because not only have you shown how Nigerian parents do, but you've also shown how each of these characters' viewpoints on relationship was influenced by their parents' mm-hmm. relationships, whether it was pro- problematic or not. And I wondered if that's where you dug deeper with these characters. Like, was that intentional or do you think that's just natural? Like, we all get influenced by our parents' relationship, which I, I feel. Oh, like I think we all do. Um, and whether yeah. that's our biological parents or people who are parental figures to us. Yeah. And it's funny because I did, I have I have said to my mum, I think a couple of times now, this book is nothing related to you and how you parented me. Like, I just want to let you know that straight away. <laughs> I was like nothing personal <laughs> yeah I was like it's not it's not about you it's not about dad like please don't please don't think it is she's like oh what do you mean and then she read some of the snippets I posted on my Instagram and she was like I remember this and I was like okay I use an anecdote but it's not about me in its entirety <laughs> <laughs> I was like please please don't get it twisted I promise you you are nothing like the parents in this book but no I think I'm still with my friend the other day we were like we become our parents we we adopt the mannerisms that we even don't like that they do we start doing the things yeah. that we say that we don't like that they do. Like, I mean, there are some things obviously that we're like, mm, that's not me. That's not how I would parent my kids or whatever that we're probably not going to adopt ourselves. But like, there are a lot of mannerisms and things that they say or do or like things that they used to tell us when we were kids that we were like, Ugh. Yeah. and now we're like, we must do that. Like, I have to get to bed on time. I need to get my seven hours. I need to do this. I need to do that. Like, yeah. all yes. that kind of stuff. Um, I need to take my vitamins. I need to take my probiotics. I need to take my magnesium yeah. and my iron, all that kind of stuff. I think, yeah, I think it's, I think that's for everybody. I think we all get influenced by our parents in one way or another. Um, whether also that's by doing things that we, that they have done before or by saying to ourselves, we are absolutely going to do the complete opposite of what they have done before yep. as well. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I passed my Mercury retrograde a couple of years ago and my <laughs> life kind of flipped because yeah. till then I was like, I'm not doing anything my mom ever did. And then <laughs> after that, I keep noticing myself doing things my mom did or thinking, <laughs> Or having the same opinions. Yeah, yeah. Like, I see it. It scares the hell out of me. <laughs> I I have realized, like, yeah. now with, with having a child, uh, every time that I tell an anecdote of my, to my mom, like, oh, can you believe, like, he never sleeps. He's like, this is revenge. This is the universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you did to me. I suffered because you kept doing it to me. So I don't know, like, it's a different vibe, but it's more or less the same. She's enjoying it a lot. <laughs> Yeah. The pleasure of being a grandmother, the revenge aspect, yeah. of course. <laughs> she's so she's being so big to me, honestly. <laughs> like, no mercy. No empathy. <laughs> <laughs> we also can see that uh, Temi and the wife's friendship can be seen as toxic, or that they are like soulmates or something like that. I think that female friendships are very polarized like it's either one or the other and both at the same time <laughs> mm. uh, I remember my best friend when we were teenagers like we're still the same but yeah it wasn't very healthy <laughs> uh, was this inspired by real people it, it really feels super real um you don't have to name them a super toxic friendship I think I had really like fleeting, flimsy, some fleeting, like flimsy friendships when I was a child, like in school and stuff like that. Yeah. Like some people that, particularly like in really early, because I went to three primary schools, and like really early primary school, I think I had like people I don't really, I don't talk to anymore really. People you like, you have on Facebook, but you just scroll yeah. past their stuff. Yeah. I don't even know why I still yeah. have Facebook, to be honest. But, um, 
But I think actually, if anything, I was probably a little bit inspired by my brilliant friend, the Elena Frante, the first book in the Elena Frante series, because their friendship is toxic, but they also kind of like need each other, whether that's because they need each other because they need someone to compete against or because they need each other because they know that no one understands the way that they are better than the other person. Um, I think, I think that's definitely a a female friendship I found really, really interesting, especially because of how it grew from childhood, like when they were really young through to adulthood. And I found that really, really interesting. But I kind of, I find the the idea of toxic friendship also quite interesting because I think sometimes what we just, what we decide is toxic really depends on what we just, what we've decided is a priority or what we've decided is healthy or unhealthy. And that can really yeah. depend on the kind of person because some people really need that friend they can depend on for everything. And to a lot of people that might be like, that's super unhealthy. You can't have someone like that. But for some people in their lives, they've never had anybody to depend on. So having that one person like really means a lot to them or um, yeah. stuff like that. But um, I do I do find it really interesting. And actually, when we were talking to, I won't name the book club or the editor, when we were talking to a US editor on point, not, not my actual US editor, but when we were talking to different US editors, yeah. One yeah. of them said, oh, we would think of submitting this from a book club, but this book club, they don't like toxic friendships, uh, toxic female friendships. And I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> like, did they not like to read it or they just don't want to see it? Or like, Yeah, they said they just don't promote books with that, which I found funny because I've definitely, I've definitely read one of the books that they, that book club has promoted that has a toxic female friendship. So I was like, I don't know if that's uh, true. <laughs> um, but I did, I did find it, um, I did find that quite funny. It's funny because I think a lot of people, now more than ever, I think a lot of people are like, Temi is evil. This one book blogger, I think she's Bookish Babe on um, TikTok and and yeah. she on YouTube. She did a hilarious review and she was like, um, Temi is a witch. <laughs> oh my God. I have to read these reviews. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just find all these reactions are really funny because I think a lot earlier on, like last year, I think before more people have read the book, a lot of people were like, "Aha, I love Temi. She's hilarious. She's such a vibe." Yeah. People were like, "Oh, me and my friend are like her. You know, we get on. We have this like shorthand. We love being shady." Da 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 da. I think on the one hand, it's kind of like people who maybe see mirrors of their friendships in that, but then they're like, "Is this what happens when that that relationship maybe goes to the extreme or something like that?" So I find yeah. that I find that quite interesting. But um, I think there's a lot of I think the thing that's about the husband and Temi that I find. Oh, I've kind of explained to people as people when people are like I'm team husband or I'm team Temi or whatever I'm like there's actually both of them are kind of doing the same thing but with different methods they both think yeah. they know the wife better than the wife knows herself and that the other person knows her and they are both willing to do whatever it takes to save her from what they think is her downfall or whatever which is this other person um, yeah. and the ways that they do that are just different the husband is is for the most part passive until he's like you need to tell her she can't come around so much and yeah. Temi's is very much not passive and very aggressive <laughs> yeah. and is very like in your face I hate you gout her life kind of vibes <laughs> I think the most passive thing is possibly what happens at the end of the book oh that's probably God. the most passive thing that she does so we will um... get to that I don't want to spoil it for our listeners yeah we are not going to reveal that because that was <laughs> Well, it was mind boggling. It was like I was biting my nails. I was like <laughs> checking the size of the, like the thickness of the pages left in the, <laughs> at the end of the book. I was like, surely she tells me. Surely she's not. <laughs> oh my God. And you did exactly what I was scared of. You left me there. Oh my God. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, gosh. Amazing. But these <laughs> lines, they both, you're absolutely right. The husband and Temi, they cross these 
lines mm-hmm. and you realize what's happening at at in in the beginning you're like the wife you're laughing at their interactions you're mm-hmm. like aha oh, this is entertaining haha carry carry and then it just <laughs> it just after the fourth bottle of wine or something it just slips <laughs> so easily just across the border yeah. and you're like oh shit um i kind of related to tebby a bit uh at least she has the opportunity to tell her best friend mm. that hey uh we know you're trying for a baby but like hey she has the she has the timeline there um to tell her best friend that maybe this is not a good idea this husband is not a good idea we need to have an exit plan but <laughs> I, i remember when my best friend in india told me she was pregnant and i was just she did she came out of nowhere she didn't even tell me they were trying i didn't even get to mentally prepare myself i was planning our next holiday where we're going to binge drink we're going to be on the beach and she just comes and tells me oh yeah by the way i'm pregnant and i'm like i f- i felt betrayed i do i mean instead yeah. of feeling happy about it or like congratulating her well now i've grown and when rosa told me she was pregnant i did genuinely congratulate her but i did still feel that tinge of you know <laughs> even with rosa I, felt, yeah. i was like we were went you know how she, how rosa told me she was pregnant i offered her alcohol <laughs> i offered her an amazing oh, blood yeah. orange gin and yeah. she was like oh babe i i can't i can't drink and i was like are oh, you bitch congrats <laughs> like, <laughs> what is going on here i was pissed off and i kind of feel with temi like she she has this plan with her best friend and it, hers is like a lifelong thing but also there's like this thing like where I, she, i think the husband is sort of right where she's not ready to let that friendship evolve with time mm. and move on to you know where it could be a different thing and i found that like super relatable with temi mm. but you've done that great job of like leaving it to the reader because everybody's going to be divided about this everybody's going to yeah. have extreme yeah. opinions about yeah. this you've done that really well i oh, think it's a book you. that people will talk a lot about because they will have like polarized opinions which i think is very cool yeah <laughs> i can dissect the whole book with like a friend or a cup of <laughs> maybe a glass of wine or two yeah <laughs> <laughs> the wine thing is actually funny because the wine my us editor in the first set of notes that she and my uk editor sent around she was like at the end of her note she was like cool also one last thing i'm not sure if it's a gag um but by my count they go through 13 bottles of wine and a bottle of whiskey she was like i think they would probably be on the floor <laughs> or like dead if if this was <laughs> if this was real she was like but i don't know if it's like a joke or if it's supposed and i was like oh no that was just me saying and another and another and another <laughs> yeah Let's let's so take five another one. <laughs> oh You've edited that, right? Like because yeah, 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 I don't yeah, think yeah, there I were 13 that, yeah. right now. No. I didn't count. I thought I like I didn't count but I sort of I think my mind kept a tally and I was like, oh, I think they've got four or five bottles. Down. Yeah, they were, they go through yeah. about like four and a half and then the bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Um but I was like otherwise they would be absolutely paralytic. Uh, they would be in hospital. They would be having their stomachs pumped. <laughs> they wouldn't understand each other's words. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that we notice in your book is that you show all the different points of views of all the characters and I think that that's such an interesting choice. I was wondering if it was going to be like that from the beginning or something that 
uh, while the book was evolving. Like you decided like, yeah, I'm going to show this from different perspectives. Yeah, because actually I had just, because I just started off writing The Wife, it is very much written, it was very much written in chronological order uh-huh. in terms of the wife's perspective first and the husband and, the, and then Temi. Yeah. I didn't necessarily know that I was going to do the best friend and the husband until I got to yeah. a certain point with the wife where I was like, these people sound really interesting. I would really love to know what they're thinking. And then I was like, I know what I can do. I can write them. <laughs> um, and then I was like, also be interesting because then it allows you to play with the idea of which one of them is the unreliable narrator who was telling the truth. Yeah. yeah. Is it the Temi is this massive, crazy woman? Is it that the husband is this um, very passive, selfish, um, kind of boring guy? Is it that the wife is actually just playing them both off each other so she can have her cake and eat it too? Because I, I kind of love an unreliable narrator in, in, in books and in films as well, right. so in TV. So I thought that'd be really interesting to sort of play them off each other. Um, but yeah, I definitely just, just started off with a wife. And then I was like, actually, you know, I think these people, these other two need, need to have, have their say. And also I thought if we can see, because I, I didn't necessarily want to tell the whole day from one perspective and the whole day from another perspective, because I thought that's kind of a bit yeah. repetitive. So I thought, let me tell... Yeah story this chunk from the wife and then this chunk from the husband and this chunk from the best friend and I thought of course Tammy had to do the end bit when they're all a bit more drunk and she can have some more fun with everybody <laughs> yeah I mean I think I should like clarify it for listeners who don't know but the three of us takes place between an afternoon and evening and we follow the entire day from first from the wife's point of view and then yeah the husband proceeds the day and then we follow that and then Temi ends the night with a bang (laughs) I almost felt like when I was reading the wife kind of set the scene but with the husband and Temi it almost felt like they broke the fourth wall like they were speaking Mm. to me as a reader that's why it felt like I was in a play like they were giving me the brief they were like oh yeah our yeah the wife has said everything but let me tell you how I really see it like Mm. this is what I think was that was that just the way their characters were or were you breaking the fourth wall? I was really curious about that. Um, I think I was breaking the fourth wall because I think particularly with the husband, because he was really trying to plead his case. Like, yeah. he's he's desperate. He's like, this is not the way I was expecting this to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... Hanging on invisible glass. Can somebody out there hear me? <laughs> um, even though we, we can't do anything. We're just, we're, we're, we're readers. We're passive. He's inside the book and we're on the outside. So you can't do anything. But I did. I did kind of like the idea of this guy who's desperately trying to communicate that he's struggling because he does not have a handle on his marriage anymore, and yes. that this this woman is ruining his life. Um, and he's so desperate. He's like, "This is what I wanted. This is what I pictured. But this is the way it is, and I don't like it." Yeah. So definitely, definitely, some deliberate breaking of the fourth wall. I mean, that's where that's what I also saw. Like he is obsessed with Temi. It, yeah. The way, like he just overthinks every. Like he done. I feel, okay, <laughs> I feel like I can go on talking about this. Like I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> it here for the readers too <laughs> that's true i should just invite you over with the, for a drink or two and yeah for a little chat yeah <laughs> just for our listeners like you will be like me this this is not you once you read the book you will be just as obsessed <laughs> yeah yeah i completely agree i love that the wife is a wallflower well wallflower uh, between mm. all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> between all the comments in the world, but I thought that it was uh, so so interesting. Um, this is your first novel, but you're not new in publishing. Like you've been here, you've been doing. Yeah. Things. <laughs> <laughs> 
can you talk to us a little bit about your journey in publishing and how was it like publishing your first novel, getting an agent and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, so I didn't really know that publishing was like a thing, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> until uh, I was looking around universities. Yeah. I think I would read books, but I wouldn't be interested in who the publisher was. I'd just be like, oh, this is a good book. Or, or, or I'd be like, this is a good author. Like I used to almost religiously read the Shopaholic series by Sophie Kinsella when I was um, really young. I was yeah. obsessed with them, which is why I was kind of disappointed with the film when they made her American. And I was like, why have you done this? <laughs> but I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. So when I was at uni and the, the, the professor who was talking, he was talking about different careers you can do. He was talking about publishing. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. They were talking about being an editor and that, you know, this is what you do when you're an editor. And I was like, I love that. That sounds like right up my street, especially because in sort of GCSE to A-level, I, even though English was my best subject at school, I started to hate it because of the stuff they were making us read. Um, and so yeah. I kind of went off reading personally, like yeah. pleasure. And then when I got to uni, I got back into it and the stuff that they were putting on our syllabus was really interesting and I really liked it. So that kind of got me back into my love of reading. So I was like, oh, being an editor sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. I didn't get an editorial job right off the bat. Um, I actually got a job, not in publishing at all, working in PR. But then after I finished that job, I sort of waited around a bit and applied for some jobs and got a job um, in publishing. So I started off at Bloomsbury an intern like uh, working in marketing right. then I moved over to HarperCollins where I worked in the audio and ebooks team like on the digital team and then I moved into editorial uh, in 2017 which was amazing and I worked at Borough Press and we did some like really amazing books I just got to learn a lot about the process um, but while I was at Bloomsbury actually was mentored by Nikesh Shukla who wrote uh, who edited The Good Immigrant because he was my best yes. friend, Grace's boss, when she was working at Rife magazine and the cash was at Rife magazine. So he offered to mentor wow. me, which was really great. Introduced me to loads of editors, which was a real privilege. And I yeah. honestly, I say to this day, like being mentored by Nikesh genuinely like changed my life. Like he's, he's so generous with his time and with his yeah. resources and with his friends as well. So meeting them and them talking to me about how they became editors. But he also was friends with um, Sarah Shafi and um, Ming Khan, who ran and still do run kind of fame in publishing yeah. a sort of organization yeah. for um their impressions of work publishing so when i went there i met one of my friends angelique and i also i didn't meet her at the time but i saw this other woman from across the road who looked very cool called nikki chang yeah oh my and so God. yeah <laughs> so later down the line angelique and i stayed friends just amazing and we i tell her that i've been writing something she's like oh send it to me so i sent it to her and she was like oh i think this is good i think you should send it out to publishers and to agents and i was like it's not even finished. What are you talking about? And bearing in mind, this is a completely different book to the three of us. A book that is so vastly different. Oh, right. But I'm like, okay. And she's like, okay, you should, yeah, you should, send, it to edit, you should send it out to agents. And I was like, okay. Yeah. She's like, okay, let me know who you're going to send it to. So I sent her a list who I was going to send it to. And she was like, yeah, okay, but make sure you also send it to Nikki Chang. So so um, I sent it to Nikki. I sent it to a bunch of people. I also sent it to Nikki. Nikki was, I think, one of the first people to reply, actually. And I think when, she, when I sent it to her, she replied that day. And agents tend not to do that because they're super busy. But yeah. she was at Aitken Alexander at the time. So she, and I think she was assisting, she was building her own list, but she was also assisting Claire Alexander, who runs Aitken Alexander. So she, yeah. I guess she had a bit more time to like invest in building her own list. So she replied immediately. Yeah. Then she read what I'd written, which I think would be like 10,000 words I'd sent to her. And then she was like, I'd love to meet for a coffee. So we went for a coffee. Wow. She showed up with this notebook, like three or four pages full of notes on the no. book. Um, we oh had this amazing God. conversation. She was talking about, what do you want to do with your career? I want to help you achieve all these things. I want to explore oh. this about this character and this about this character. And it was just so amazing. And I was just like, I just That's love amazing. her. Yeah. And I also okay. went online, stalked her a little bit, so tried to see what her vibe was. Because, you know, yeah. it's, it's one thing to have someone represent you in a business sense, but 
when they're representing you in a business sense, they're also kind of representing you personally. And you want to make sure that that person is a good person and is kind to people they work with. And it's just generally good vibes. And that is all that I'd heard about her, that she was great vibes, great person. And I definitely got that in person as well when I met her. And she was like, oh, you know, once even she was like, take a little time to think about it. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I was like, I know it's going to be her, but I just have to do like the business thing and take a few days to think about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So after that, I signed with her. And then we, I went through poor Nikki. She sent me first round of notes on the the old book. And I looked at those notes and I was like, "Mm, yeah, I'm done with this book. I don't want to do this book anymore. What? No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So I'd written a seventy thousand word book and then decided that I was done with it. I love and she was you. very kind about it. She was very patient. She she's been patient. I think up until twenty twenty, she was probably super super patient. This was back in twenty eighteen that we were doing all of this stuff. So that I signed with wow. her and everything. So she'd been waiting for two years for something to send send out. And finally, and we, I went through so many other ideas in that time as well. Some that she was like, "Oh, I like this. We could explore this more." And then I'd be like, mm, "I'm over it." Uh, and then furloughed yeah she's been so patient she's honestly an angel mid 2020 because I was furloughed for half of all of April and then a bit of May she was yeah she was super super patient and I wrote something I think I wrote 20,000 words but it wasn't me and this is the thing I think that I I try to say to as many writers as I can you need to find what your voice is as a writer because it's so important that you write yourself rather than you write other people that you write what you think other people will like because for a long time, with all those other ideas, I was writing what I thought other people would like. And so I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. Whereas yeah. now, I was like, I found my rhythm. I found what I like to write about. I found my voice. And so when I sent her the 20,000 words, the other thing, she was like, I don't get it. And I was like, it's 20,000 words. What are you talking about? <laughs> and she was like, you know, we just need a first draft. We just need something to work with. And so I did um, NaNoWriMo, that National Novel Writing Month um, thing. Every- yeah. It was in November. And yeah, I did that with a friend of mine and it was, it just so happened to be perfectly timed. I had that conversation with my best friend and then NaNoWriMo was happening. So then I started doing it and then I sort of went from there and was trying to write every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And thankfully Nikki really loved it. She called me one day, I think I sent it to her on the, I think something really cheeky, like the 23rd of December. Obviously she didn't look at it until January of 2021 but she she called me up in like towards the end of January and she was like and normally we schedule in our calls so when she called me I was like hello (laughs) and she was like hey how are you and I was like I'm fine how are you (laughs) (laughs) and she she was like so I've just read your book and I really like it and I was like thank god because if it doesn't work out I was gonna have to be like honey we're gonna have to scrap this off (laughs) 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 but yeah so we did some edits with her which were fantastic. And I think also for me, it's really important to have had her do the edits with me because she said a better book will make for a better deal. And she was absolutely right. Yeah, And it also meant that then my editors had a lot better of a product to work with, like a yep. base to go off yes. when we were doing our edits as well. So yeah, that is the long, short story of my journey in publishing and how I got an agent. No, that is fascinating <laughs> because yeah. I'm marketing and, you know, Rosa's okay. sales. So mm. I, I always find it fascinating about this journey and and the journey for the book as well. So mm. I have two questions here. As a writer, it's really hard for people to let go of their ideas. Uh, and you just went like, yep, I'm I'm kind of done. I'm kind of done with this story. So was it because you were like, was that, yeah, was that very clear to you? Or was that difficult to like just end it? Because I feel like more writers need that kind of energy where they should know where to stop or where, when mm. to keep going with the story. Mm. I'm going to say it was easy, but the only reason I would say that is because I think I'm a little bit lazy sometimes. And I think that <laughs> probably with some of them, if I'd persevered with some of them, I'm sure they would have been they would have been good. But I don't think that they were 
I think yeah. I knew that that wasn't that wasn't good enough. Yeah. And I was like, if something's going to go out there, it's going to be like, I was like, you only get one debut novel. And if you go out with something that you feel half-hearted about your writing because you think other people are going to like it, but you don't even like it that much yourself, then it's not going to work. That's, um, yeah, that's... And the funny thing is when I sent the three of us to Nikki as a first draft, it was 37,000 words. I think it's only 10,000 words longer now. But um, yeah. I didn't read it back. I didn't read it back through as I was writing either. So I finished wow. it. I literally wrote the last word, had a quick scan of the last couple of paragraphs, hit save and literally dropped it in Nikki's inbox. I did not read it the whole wow. way through. Wow. So when she sent me editorial notes in February, like two months later, I was kind of like, oh, I did write that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. That's me now. I was like, ah, yeah, I, I, I see that. I see where she got that from. I love that. But yeah, I think, I, I think it was, it's hard also because sometimes you can have an idea and you're like, I'm going to come back to that. And when yeah. I've, when I've done this, this will work better because I will have had experience in executing X, Y, Z. But I think, yeah, I think part of it was good because it was out of laziness and I was just like, I can't be bothered. <laughs> um, and the other part of it was just that I knew that it wasn't right for me. Um, and so yeah. I, I was like, this is just not going to work. Yeah, I don't think it was laziness. I think it's because you weren't <laughs> feeling it. Yeah, I think yeah. So, yeah. you would have been excited about the idea. You would have seen it through. And I guess exactly. my second question, which I ask all authors is, it's just the book's journey, you know, along with your journey as an author, the book mm-hmm. is changing at every stage. How much has the book changed since Nikki saw it, since your UK editor saw it, like, was there like a major mm. change? I know you said you added 10,000 words more, but was yeah. there like a structural change? Did you change something about either of those characters? We love to know the backstage um, story. That's a very good question. Did I change anything particularly? Oh, okay. So I suppose it is, it is a structural thing, but it was it was added. My editors were like, you need to add this kind of thing in in order for this yeah. to make sense. I didn't say you have to add this yeah. specific thing, but they said you need to add this element in in order for this to make sense. Yeah. How that element is... right presented you can decide that like, you need to add this element in which was the scene in the bathroom when Tammy's in the bathroom and she finds that yeah because they're like oh. they need to be more of a build because they, they like yeah they were like you need to build the tension yeah. and I was like I was like oh yeah I guess you're right because it's when you're a writer and you 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 know these characters in your head you're like I know exactly why they feel this way I know exactly why they're doing this and they're like that's fine but to the reader May this, not not add up. this doesn't make sense and we're in this yeah. small time frame and you've got snippets of the past but you need to know how it's gotten here and why and it's another thing that my US editor, she said, why is everything happening on this day? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but <they're> forcing <laughs> me to, to ask those yeah. questions. Yeah, and think about that. Yeah. And think about the things that they missed out on. I think my UK editor was like, they were supposed to be going on holiday. Could that be a catalyst? Could you bring that out a bit more? And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. They were supposed to be going on holiday. They were oh, so my. good at asking those questions and sort of helped me to fill in those gaps because those gaps were filled in my mind, but they were just not yeah. filled on the page. Um, and yeah. so having them encourage me to fill those gaps on the page and say, okay, but why does she act this way on this day? And what makes her, what really convinces her that they are trying for a baby, or that they're going to have one, she finds whatever in the bathroom. Yeah. What convinces her that her friend is behaving a certain way? They don't go on the holiday that they're supposed to go on. All those kinds of different things, um, they yeah, really build little... up and they add to the tension. Yeah. yeah, all these tiny little pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And they really added to the characters as well. I think those were like key points. And if you're building characters, you would already know about it. But yeah, Yeah. that makes so much sense. That's great. You've had an incredible, incredible journey as a debut author. Yeah. Also, we've had, we've discussed good immigrants on this show before. And Nikesh Shukla just 
overall in the industry is just known as like such a good person to work with and yeah. I've had multiple people tell me that from the publishing side and from the writing side so I'm so glad and I, I can't wait to see how your journey progresses yeah, yeah it's been amazing I think I've been extremely extremely blessed to have a lot of really incredible people in my life who have really like invested in me professionally personally like as a writer in whatever sense and I also have to give a lot of credit to my parents because they were the ones who dragged my sister and I to the library every week when we were younger and made us pick out a book yeah read the book tell them what the book was about go back the next week swap the book out get another one and had I had I not been a reader I would never have been a writer so honestly huge huge props to them and I don't think I think my mum was a novel reader back then and she is a lot more now um, but my dad wasn't really a novel reader, but he just knew that reading was important. He was like, you should you mm. should read. They're both lawyers, so they were they're yeah. reading a lot of stuff, but not necessarily anything particularly interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was, it was I've, I've been really, really blessed to have that from growing up. And then also to have loads of people in my life who've just been really good and really helpful and very kind and generous with their time. Um, well, so, yeah, it's been amazing. I love that. Um, and do you have any projects on the works that you can talk about and you want to talk about? <laughs> I am I am working, I'm trying really hard to work on the second book. It's not a sequel, um, sadly, because people keep asking me that. And there is no sequel. This 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 story begins and ends uh, with this book. <laughs> Word. Oh um, my God, maybe. my heart is broken. <laughs> oh I was going to ask you that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, the one thing I will say is, so far, it's supposed to be set over the course of one evening as well, yeah. but with more people nice. and a slightly different dynamic, but kind of asking similar questions about sort of how we see each other. But also, I think this more delves into like interpersonal or intercouple relationships. Ooh. So it's kind of a deep, de- deep dive into the sort of romantic relationships between couples as well and how those relationships evolve and change at the same time as well. So, yeah. Love that. As right. long as there's some shadiness, like oh yeah, of yeah, course, a lot, <laughs> a lot of shadiness, a lot of shadiness. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming. It's been lovely to have you here in the pod. And everyone should go buy your book on their local bookshops and not on Amazon because Rosa, we hate Amazon. <laughs> we... <laughs> we do this every episode, um, but no, we support our. Please support your local bookshops, your indie bookshops. Get the book. You can pre-order today. You don't. The book comes out on 11th May, but you don't need to wait. You can just order it now, and then order a bottle of wine while you're at it as well, so you can read it with. The wine. Also, we have just created some um, tote bags, and indie bookshops <gasps> will be getting the tote bags. We'll be requesting the tote bags. So if you find out which which independent bookshop closest to you has requested them, when you go and buy your copy, you can get a free tote bag with your copy. But it's a limited. Oh my god! The nearest bags, one to so. me is the nearest bookshop to me is Morocco bound. So I'm gonna like <laughs> actually go tell them. Can you please request? <laughs> I need that tote bag. I want that tote bag. Yep. <laughs> We're gonna go for a. Oh wow! That's job. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Go to your bookshops, request for the tote bag, and get the book. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ori. This has been a blast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I hope I hope you have, like, do you have more tour, press tours? Are you enjoying the press tour? Yeah, I'm actually doing a, a US podcast tomorrow. Um, so that'd be oh, really lovely. As well. so, but you, you guys have been my first podcast, so that's very exciting. Oh, my God. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> debut for a debut <laughs> we're so happy and we um, we're so glad you had such a great time and yeah best of luck with the rest of your journey i'm, I'm sure we'll catch you for your next book 
thank yeah. you and thank you both for just being so lovely and um Aww. yeah for also just like promoting books by authors of color and taking the time out to make this podcast it's amazing and it, it really means a lot so i really i really appreciate you guys having me on here it's a real privilege oh thank you so thank much thank you so, so much lovely. that means a lot <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Orian. Thank you so much to you guys, listeners. Again, as always, please subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. It helps so much. It helps other people know that we exist. Let us know your thoughts on our latest episodes. And if you're an editor or an author or a publicist out there and you think we should interview someone, please do get in touch with us. Slide into our DMs. All the links for this book are in our description below. Toodles. Bye-bye.